Denne podcast er på engelsk. Welcome to a new podcast from the Rockwell Foundation. COVID-19 took a toll on human lives, but with different intensities across the globe. Data from 29 countries spanning most of Europe, the Euros and Chile were analyzed by scientists from the Center on Population Dynamics at the University of Southern Denmark and the Leverhulme Center for Demographic Science at Oxford University. The study is supported by the Rockwell Foundation. The data showed reductions in life expectancy in 27 of the 29 countries, with only Denmark and Norway showing increase in life expectancy. The reductions are some of the largest since World War II. Life expectancy is down, but what does it mean? To help us go in-depth with the findings, Dr. Aburto and Dr. Krasnitsky are behind this study and are joining us today from Oxford and Odense. Would you like to introduce yourself? My name is Jose Manuel Aburto. I am a Mexican demographer at the Interdisciplinary Center for Population Dynamics at the University of Southern Denmark and Newton Fellow at the University of Oxford. Uh, I'm Ilya Kasznitsky. Uh, and uh, I'm a demographer. Uh, I'm working as an assistant professor at the University of Southern Denmark, Interdisciplinary Center on Population Dynamics. So, so Ilya, what is life expectancy and what does it show? Um, life expectancy is uh, the most widely used measure of uh, current level of mortality in a population. And uh, it, is, it is a widely used metric uh, And uh, it's, it's very nice. It's comparable. We have long, long time series of life expectancy, and we pretty much uh, can can use it to compare uh, mortality levels both historically and across populations. Turning to you, Jose. Um, in general, what are the findings of your study? Our findings are that in in this pressing issue of being through a COVID through the pandemic, is that we assembled an unprecedented data set with 29 countries. And we document that most of these countries um, fell, well, life expectancy was reduced. And and the fact that life expectancy declined during 2020 is not so surprising. What it was very surprising, however, is the variation that we observe across countries. So that is one of the main findings, findings that we document in our paper. So we have countries like the US where males lost in excess of two years of life expectancy. And then we have countries in the other spectrum, on the other side of the spectrum, like Denmark and Norway, where life expectancy essentially followed the, the pattern that it was following before. So that, I think, summarizes one of the main findings of our paper. Right, and we'll get back to the to the kind of the concrete studies uh, in a bit. Why, uh, Jose, is it interesting to see the impact of COVID-19 Well, it is interesting to see because um, strategies in testing have varied a lot between countries and strategies have also varied between subpopulation in a given country. So therefore, COVID-19 official deaths are also very difficult to compare. So an alternative to, to, to this is to look at all-cause mortality, which is what we do and which is the input of life expectancy. Hence, If we have this information by age groups, then the most used and comparable measure is life expectancy. Right. For some countries, uh, Denmark, for instance, your study says that deaths are quote-unquote related to but not directly affected by COVID-19. How can you be sure that there is a correspondence between COVID-19 
and the de or increase of life expectancy? Yeah, so this is one of the one of those questions that will be, be very relevant now, but also in the future. No, this is one of the one million dollar questions because the pandemic has affected mortality not only through COVID-19 deaths, but also through other indirectly causes of death. For example, lockdowns and non-pharmaceutical interventions can affect other causes of death, like external causes of death, like car accidents, for example. The fact that people were not um, exposed to the risk of driving a car can reduce mortality of this cause of death during a pandemic. On the other side, we have also that the overwhelmed systems that we observed in terms of like healthcare meant that many people did not want to go to this hospital to get their treatments, perhaps because they were afraid of getting COVID-19. And also this overwhelmed system caused that many of the treatments, for example, for non-degenerative diseases such as cancer were not delivered on time. So this, this might hint to an increase of, for example, cancer mortality because of lack of treatment. Right. Going back to you, Ilya, uh, Denmark and Norway are the only two countries out of the 29 in the study that have recorded an increase in life expectancy for both males and females in 2020, despite the pandemic. There were still losses of life in Norway and Denmark due to the COVID-19. How come the life expectancy rate increased despite of that? There were some deaths due to COVID in even in Denmark and Norway. Um, but for example, this year, there was uh, no flu in in the Northern Hemisphere, at least. And uh, no deaths were lost due to flu, which usually takes some deaths. But also, um, there are other non-pharmaceutical measures that were strictly enforced uh, during the well, so-called lockdowns. Uh, they may have affected other causes of death uh, positively in the countries that did not see uh, overburden of the health system due to COVID, and this is this was the case in the northern countries. So it's not it's not that surprising that life expectancy grew just a bit. Uh, what was really surprising in these countries is that they managed to uh, fight COVID in 2020, and that's a big success of their. Scandinavian countries, and one one major noticed line in our study uh, is the contrasting example of Sweden compared to the neighbors, right. which is directly the fail of the COVID response in Sweden. Okay, right. In the study, the US and Bulgaria, for instance, are the two countries that have experienced the most significant decrease in life expectancy. Why is that? Mm. Well, now we are going to... Mm, to the territory of speculating a bit, because technically uh, our paper showed just what it shows. Yeah, it documents uh, their measurement of life expectancy and nothing else. Everything that we can say on top of that, we sort of draw from other knowledge that we gained over the, the last year. But what we see, uh, for example, one of the main reasons why US uh, failed uh, the COVID response is a huge diversity of their population and very unequal access to uh, to information, to healthcare, uh, j- just just the level of inequality in the population, and not not only their um, inequality, socioeconomic inequality within uh, some population, but also huge regional differences that we see in all big countries. So it's one of the interesting 
distinctions we can make uh, across the world. Uh, generally, if you if you're looking for examples of the countries that managed well with the pandemic, these are small countries. And if you're looking at large countries like the US, Russia, uh, and well, some other countries that are not in our study, uh, the countries with large regional diversity, you always see that some parts of the country managed to respond well to the pandemic, but others just failed massively. And how severe was was the, the, the decrease in the US? Uh, so the decrease, uh, according to our estimates, was uh, more than two years for males and one and a half years for females, uh, which is a massive figure uh, if you take it in in the historical perspective. So one of the highlights that we, uh, the way we try to explain the, um, the magnitude of this change uh, is uh, the simple fact that uh, none of the developed countries saw uh, decreases of that magnitude since the second world war right and 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 of course when you think about covid and that being such a special occasion or whatever uh, a situation if you want um that sort of changed the whole kind of of upgoing tendency here when will the us be able to sort of break this bad um uh, kind of streak and and get back to uh, to a more normal uh, life expectancy Uh, this is a very good question, uh, and right now we cannot give uh, a good answer to this question. So in the first approximation, uh, the drop that we see now is a period shock. So it's it's period life expectancy and it's temporary shock, and we expect the level of life expectancy to jump back to back on track, yeah, back to the original uh, development line soon. But that with the assumption that all their extra deaths of COVID are eliminated. And this is not what we see in in the US now, and this is not what we see in some other countries. So despite uh, massive vaccination, uh, the US uh, still suff- suffers a lot of deaths in 2021. Uh, so we can we can expect life expect period life expectancy to jump back, but there may be Uh, longer health effects of COVID. And here we are again stepping to this unknown territory of the future health effects of long COVID, because now we learn more and more than a significant proportion of those who got infected with COVID, they experience uh, negative health effects and symptoms many, many months after uh, after their uh, the first infection. Yeah, And the long-term effects of long COVID may, may be pretty serious for, for longevity of the population. Right. Ilya, the study also shows that the uh, the US and Bulgaria are, are the two countries that have experienced the most significant uh, decrease in life expectancy. What has happened in, in Bulgaria, for instance? Yeah, we're having, uh, we're observing uh, quite a strong effect of uh, COVID in Eastern European countries. Uh, and one explanation here Uh, might be uh, the low level of trust of the population to the government. And uh, research has shown that uh, one of their strongest predictor of the efficiency of the COVID response is the trust of the population uh, to the government. So in uh, in the countries like Scandinavia, we see uh, that whatever is announced uh, is followed pretty closely by the population, but which is not the case in most countries in Eastern Europe. 
And while this is not captured by life expectancy in 2020 in our paper, uh, we see that countries of Eastern Europe now in 2021, uh, they don't uh, vaccinate uh, properly and they have a lot of resistance to vaccination, which can also originate in this general distrust to everything coming from the government. Another factor that is important to take into consideration when talking about life expectancy is the differences between the sexes. The study shows that males saw a more significant life expectancy decline than females. Females have always been in the lead over men regarding life expectancy, and this study is no exception. Jose, why are males more impacted by the loss in life expectancy? Yeah, this is also a very interesting um, question that speaks to this long-standing tradition of studying sex differentials in mortality. There are different hypotheses to explain the female advantage in life expectancy and in mortality in general. Some of these have to do with biological factors, some of them have to do with behavioral factors and also social determinants. For example, males tend to have, uh, are more likely to engage in violent behaviors, which explains, for example, the heightened mortality in young uh, working age groups. Historically, it is also known that mortality is more affected in, in periods of shocks, like the one we are living now, for males. So if you look at previous epidemics and shocks in mortality, it has been documented that males are always more likely to experience larger losses of life expectancy. Now, as whether why this happens in the context of the COVID-19 pandemic, maybe through social determinants. No? So males were potentially more exposed to a uh, to non-pharmaceutical interventions they were probably less likely to follow them because they needed to go to work or they needed to go out and hence they're also less likely to follow um, health behaviors. No? So for one of the big examples in terms of health behaviors is that if a female feels uh, that she's sick, she goes very rapidly to the medical doctor, whereas males, we tend to wait until we're dying I'm feeling very bad, then we go to the medical doctors. Right. So these are some of the potential explanations on why the COVID-19 pandemic has affected more severely uh, males and females. Right. This is this is in, in terms of a of absolute terms. But if we compare with recent trends, in fact, females from 15 countries and males from 10 ended up with lower life expectancy at birth in 2020 than in 2015. So in absolute terms, we see that males did lose more life expectancy. But in, in relative terms, compared to like recent trends, the drop in female was more severe if we, if we think of a time as a dimension of this. Right. Thanks for clarifying that. What can males do to become less impacted by the statistic prophecy here? Well, that, that is also the, one, the second million dollar question that you asked me today. So, well, again, I, I feel that one of the main factors, um, like biology, we cannot change our biology, we cannot change our genetics. If that's one of the main drivers, then we can't do anything. But if we think of on social determinants and behavior, then there is a need of public health interventions where we acknowledge this disadvantage and we should promote better health behaviors, especially among men, so that this differential becomes less 
I like to ask you both a question here, and and that's more like a, a general thing about life expectancy. What can we, what can we as a, a society use these data for in the future? And 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 who should pay attention to the kind of uh, data that you, that uh, you've presented in this study? So what we've learned beyond just documenting this is that the effect of a, of a pandemic cannot be measured very easily in terms of population level uh, indicators. So what, what the first thing that I learned from this study is that we should continue monitoring life expectancy and these types of indicators in order to have a clear picture of cross-national comparisons in terms of the effect of the COVID-19 pandemic. We also learned another thing, other results that can be useful for policymakers and in particular public health practitioners. So we uncovered, for example, that the age groups that have been affected by the pandemic differ by countries. Now, this speaks to also the groups that need to be intervened in terms of protecting them. So in, in the US, for example, and in some Eastern European countries, we saw there are actually young males that have been suffering from the COVID-19 pandemic in comparison to other countries. So this speaks also to this lack of public health interventions. I have to also say that there are some limitations because this is also a study that is based on what happened already. And forecasting what's gonna happen is very difficult. So those tools that would allow us to forecast can be also be, can also be and potentially even more important in terms of planning future public health interventions to like diminish the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. Right. Ilya? Yeah, I would say what we what we were continuously learning uh, since the beginning of the pandemic is that all of a sudden it turned out we are not ready. And uh, it was so difficult to get get the data. And despite having all their um, all the structures uh, and collaborations that uh, normally should provide the data. Uh, the surprising, very surprising thing for me was that the early understanding of, of what was happening in the, in the world very much relied on their effort of single enthusiast, enthusiastic people around the world. And uh, this is in a way mind blowing. So we're not so far from John uh, grounds times when one person would go and collect the data and uh, try to make us all understand something. And uh, yeah, this I think we, we really need to, to rethink uh, how we collect and make data available. Jose? Yeah, I just want to follow up on what Ilya is commenting. So I was recently asked by the American Journal of Public Health to comment on a piece about excess mortality in Guatemala. And people asked me, why didn't you include more countries in your study? Why do you only have 29 high income, low mortality countries, when in fact, many of the low to middle income countries have been and are now the actual epicenters of the pandemic? And the reason is we don't have data. So there is a need of all cause mortality by age and by sex for all the countries in the world so that we can assess better what has been the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, but also to move forward to diminish and minimize the long-term effects that this pandemic may have in the future. Another thing that I would like to add is that uh, over this one year and a half, we learned that our national 
health and especially life expectancy as a metric is a very uh, politically significant uh, information. And what we see is that in many in many countries, uh, this information, the data on deaths and the information is not being released timely and uh, even honestly. So some countries, uh, well, notably Russia, just fakes the data in order to uh, conceal the real extent of uh, of the problem they're experiencing. And this is something we we really need to deal at the probably at the higher level, uh, demanding open and transparent data. Some scientists speak of the quote unquote survivorship effect. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so uh, the survivorship effect, or sometimes you can you can hear about this so-called dry tinder hypothesis, uh, is the idea that you have um, some frail proportion of your population, and when when their disaster comes, it sort of cuts out this frail proportion of the population, and those who remain uh, are of a stronger people, uh, and that's why directly after the uh, the pandemic you expect to see jump in life expectancy so lower mortality right after the shock uh, and this is this is a very popular hypothesis which sometimes finds support in empirical data but most often uh, the cases when when you see this support of this hypothesis originates from from the low quality data and our colleagues uh, in audiences, Silvia Rizzi, Yes uh, Sergert, and Jim Vopel, uh, they recently published a paper specifically on the hypothesis of dry tinder in Denmark and Sweden. Uh, and the main conclusion of their paper is th- that um, very small proportion of the changes in mortality can be attributed to this hypothetical dry, tin- uh, dry tinder eth- effect. So most likely, this is not the major force. So when I ask you, can we expect the life expectancy to skyrocket due to the survivorship effect? What would your answer be to that? Uh, I think this is unlikely. Right. Thank you very much. What kind of other events would normally affect the life expectancy around the world? Well, life expectancy is affected by, like Ilya said, by progress in mortality means life expectancy increasing. Historically, one of the main drivers of life expectancy increasing was the reduction of infant mortality. Then high-income countries reach a stage, which is called the epidemiological transition, where cardiovascular diseases were more relevant and more important. But then there were like some public health interventions and better nutrition that helped also declining cardiovascular diseases. And this also led to substantive increases in life expectancy. Nowadays, in high-income countries, some of the causes of death that are driving changes in life expectancy are, for example, cancers. But historically, there have also been shocks in mortality that have led to reductions in life expectancy. The most prominent one being the 1918 flu epidemic, which led to decreases in life expectancy in many countries that we studied. Another shock that we can think of is the dissolution of the Soviet Union, for example, which led to a chaos in the healthcare system, and we saw increases in mortality to the extent of some countries losing over one year of life expectancy, for example. So, so, so turning to that, how severe are COVID-19 compared to the to the examples that you just gave? So, it, comparing these different events 
is is doable, but they have to also be taken with caution. So I want to say this before I follow up. Having said that, it is true that the COVID-19 pandemic was much more severe and affected much more mortality than, for example, the flu epidemic that Europe suffered in 2015. In, in that case, most countries from Europe also lost life expectancy. But to put this into perspective, the highest loss that we observed in 2015 was of, of half a year in Italy. Okay. We yeah. have several countries in 2020 that lost in excess of half a year, right. and even reaching more than five times that. I want to thank Dr. Aburto and Dr. Kashnitsky for taking the time to tell us about this new study of life expectancy. Please find more information about the study online at Rockhulfonden DK. At the website where you normally find your podcast, you can also listen to other podcasts from the Rockwell Foundation. Here you can listen to podcasts outlining new research within welfare, the labor market, employment, as well as immigration and integration. My name is Thomas Smith-Jorgensen. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>